The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Luke chapter 24. You remain standing. Take your Bibles. Going to read from the New King James tonight. Luke chapter 24. And we do have notes. Do you have them? They are on the way. While the notes are being passed out, so it's not a distraction before we read the text, let me tell you that it wasn't a mocha that kept me in the church. What kept me coming back, service after service, was not just a little teaching. What kept me coming back to this church is what the one I was raised up in. And what keeps people coming back over and over and over again is the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I would also say building relationships, that's very important. Come on, some of you need to cut ties with hell. I'm just going to chat with you until the notes are passed out. You can't have fellowship with God and fellowship with the world. Not that you're not in the world. You're in the world. You're just not of it. You can't be yoked with somebody who's hell-bound and expected to go well for you if you're going to live for Jesus. Cut all ties. Everybody say, cut all ties. Cut all ties. Cut all allegiances with the enemy. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Where's Carolina? Caroline, pardon me. Where are you at? So, um, so you had a problem with your eye and you had surgery, where's that little report? Come on, we're going to just go praise God for a second. And you went and you got surgery, and they, they, I'm looking at a picture here. This is what it looked like. All right. It's a, it's a, a view of her. It was a macular hole in my eye. Go ahead, tell them. Okay. Um, a week ago, last Tuesday, I had surgery. I had a cataract removed from my left eye. had a macular hole. I mean, you can see it. There's a big old hole right here. It looked really bad. And today I went in for a recheck. And it's almost completely closed up. And the doctor said, I've never seen anybody's eye heal this quickly in my life. In one week's time from this surgery. So, Dr. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Dr. Jesus. Luke chapter 24. I think your notes say verse 35, but I think we're going to start from verse 36. Are you ready? Continuing in a new series we started last week entitled Holy Ghost Come, Luke 24, verse 36. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself, handle me and see me. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But But while they still did not believe for the joy And marveled, he said, have you any food here? (laughs) So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. Yeah, verse 43. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. Verse 44. And he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all the things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets. The Psalms concerning me. 
and he opened their understanding, verse 45, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. That's a great prayer. God, open my understanding that I might comprehend your word. Verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Let's pray. Lord, you have done so much already. We stand in awe of your greatness, your healing, the freedom that's here, the joy that's here, the candy, everything. God, you're great. We ask, Lord, that you would touch and open our minds, open our hearts, give us understanding the truth of your word that we might never, ever be the same. Truly, Lord, may we be clothed with power, even from this meeting, going forth as your witnesses in the entire surrounding region and every place that you would send us. And we thank you for the freedom that's in Christ, the healing that's in Christ. We thank you for salvation and deliverance and freedom. I bind, gag, and muzzle every assignment of the enemy that would try to bring distraction to these, your people. In Jesus' name, and I thank you, Lord, for the freedom that will flow even through the preaching of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When I was a kid in, in New York, on the East Coast, and Long Island, I think the year was 1977. We had an ice storm in 1977 that dropped every single power line. It was like a hurricane with ice. And it completely devastated the entire community where I was being raised as a little boy. We had no water, no electric. Oh, well, actually, we had filled our bathtubs. We were forewarned. We had no school, praise the Lord. And we roughed it for a solid week and a half. It was the dead of winter. We slept in the living room. And we had fi a fireplace, which we were very thankful for. And I had uh, two blue tick coonhounds. And all of the coonhound fans said, amen. And they, uh, my, my dog kept me warm. Along with a lot of blankets and a lot of love for my mom and dad. It was quite a thing to be without electricity because when you're without electricity, it really changes everything. I mean, you're just instantly brought back to the Stone Age. You say, no, 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 we still have cars. Yeah, you still have cars if they can pump the gas to get to your car after you run out. Electricity changes everything. Power of, the, of electricity. The same is true in your life with God. Many people try to live a life without the electric on. I've told the story so many times that I, I like it. I'm not sure if I like the story because of a good illustration or if I just like pretending that I can speak in, in a, with an Irish dialect. But there was a lady in Ireland, and I don't know if the story's true, but the illustration's great. It's a lady in Ireland. They just got an electricity there. And so she wanted electricity to come to her, her small home, her little cottage on the moor. And so the electric company brought the power out and they hooked up power to her house. And she just had uh, a light bulb from the ceiling, you know. A month goes by and the electric company notices that she's not using any power or very little. So the worker went out and knocked on the door and she answered the door and he said, ma'am, I've noticed that you're not using too much power. She said, oh, no, we're using plenty of power we are. She says, well, he said, well, it doesn't look like you're using much power. Oh, no, I, I turned the, lamp on, the light on just long enough to light my lantern. <laughs> and that's like many believers. It's okay to feel a couple goosebumps, but... They don't really understand that actually you can walk with power 
and see miracles happen through your own hands. Not some guest, not some guy on a TV, but literally he could use the likes of you. He can use a donkey. He can use me, right? He can use you. He wants to use you. But many people live their life without the fire, without the power, without the enablement, without the endowment of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this text. Because this is a powerful text of Scripture. Here Jesus has just appeared to his disciples, and we don't really know how that happened. If he walked through a wall like he did before, if he just, poof, he shows up. But I mean, they're talking, and wham, Jesus is there. And so they're totally freaked out. And he says, you know, he, you know I give you peace. Don't be, they're frightened, they're terrified. They, they're just, they're totally freaked out. And he says, you know, peace, peace, chill, chill. And um, after he calms them down, and they're for the joy. I mean, does anybody know what that looks like? For the, for the joy, they, 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 they just overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with joy. Have you ever been overwhelmed with joy? They're overwhelmed with, sto- with joy, and they marvel. I mean, it's like, oh, he's a, oh, and they, they, he's like, okay, okay, you got any food? I love that part. Do you have anything to eat, by the way? I mean, they're, they're freaked out. They're skipping around. They're jumping. They're singing. I knew it. I knew it. It's the glorified Jesus. And he says, do you have anything to eat? Which is amazing. And he, and he eats a piece. They, they give him a piece of broiled fish and honeycomb. I ate some honeycomb today. They give him a piece of broiled fish and honeycomb. Wow. And... He opens their minds. I, I, I got to stop and say, I don't really understand glorified bodies, by the way, because that's what he has here. I don't really understand. You're like, How's, how did he walk through the wall? Or how did he, what happened to the fish? And, you know, you eat a piece of fish and then you walk through a wall. I mean, <laughs> what happened to the fish? Does the fish like, okay. Or does he like digest really quick? What happens? And then, like, really? Anyway, he opens their minds to the scriptures about the Messiah. Verse 45, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Tonight, I had, uh, pardon me, earlier today, I had the privilege of, of doing a chapel at the local Christian school here. And um, I'm usually behave myself, not that I misbehaved, but I try to just, I'm kind of intense. And I I tried to just kind of, you know, just teach, you know, chill. I'm trying to chill. As my daughter said, dad, you don't have any chill. So I tried just to, I tried just to teach. However, what I was teaching on absolutely made my bones shake and burn with fire. And I, I, I mean, I didn't go off roaring in tongues because, I mean, you got all kinds of denominations and I don't want to offend anybody and all that. But I preached with all the intensity that God has ever put in me, I preached to those kids. And uh, I mean, I think they were really freaked out. What I preached on was why the Word of God is the Word of God. And when I got into the, the, the Word of God says it's the Word of God and the character of the Word of God, and you start looking at the, at the mathematical possibilities of seeing 300 different scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about Jesus as the Messiah. Let's just take Isaiah 53. I might lose my mind all over again, but I, Jesus help me right now. I preached... And, and gave them understanding about who Jesus was from the Old Testament as well as in the New and proved that the Word of God is the Word of God. It is the most accurate manuscript that we have in, in all of history. It's the most accurate manuscript. And when I hear numbskulled, ignorant, uneducated people say this, that's just a book that some guy wrote. Because really it's an admission of their own stupidity. And I said that to them. 
because they're graduating, they're going to universities, and in the universities, atheists have become evangelistic, and they're destroying the faith of Christians. Because Christians don't really have a faith, mostly. I know not here. That's grounded in the Word of God. The Word of God will stand that stood the test of time. It's the first book ever printed, and it's still number one. I don't care what the, I don't care what the New York Times says. The New York Times just got tired. They got tired of reporting the fact that it's still number one. It is the number one selling book ever since it ever came out. It's the first book that was ever printed. It's written on three different continents over a period of about 1,500 years, from princes to, to vine dressers and everything in between. It's, it's entirely worthy and cannot be contradicted. And if you find a contradiction, it's only because you're uneducated and don't understand and you need to actually discover what you really think that that is and then discover actually it's not a contradiction at all. I mean, I love what Pastor Vince said. We might not ever get to the message I prepared for you. We were in a staff meeting years ago and you started talking about the book. Hey man, if it's just a book, then how come they don't know? It's just a book, right? The school, what's the big deal with the school? Can't the school just let a book if it's just a book? It is not just a book, that's the whole point. It's the word of God. And here's the thing, let me say this. The reason people don't wanna believe that this is the word of God and refuse actually to study, to prove, to find out whether it is or isn't, and every scholar that has ever put their head and their heart and their mind to it has become a believer, I might add, that I know of. The reason people don't want to do that is because if this really is the word of God, then you need to change. And I will tell you, that's a problem. We don't like changing. We want to do our own thing. We want to keep our little sin. We don't want to obey. And so it's easier to say, that's ah, just a book. <laughs> All right, where are we? Can you imagine being in that Bible study? We've got some great teachers and preachers here in the church. Can you imagine sitting with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, as he broke down the Old Testament for you. So here, let me just open your mind to the Old Testament about me. You'd be like, like your face be just peeling off with revelation. Oh, whoa, whoa, I mean, you imagine. That's what he does. He peels their, their faces back with revelation. And, you know, if you read the book of Matthew, I, I believe Matthew, uh, he, I think he reflects many of those scriptures that Jesus probably taught. You'll see a lot of Old Testament scripture in the book of Matthew proving the prophecy of the Old Testament that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and he gives them vision. Look at, see, he gives them a vision of what they're doing. Wow. It reminds me of Matthew 24. Go and preach the gospel to all creation. Verse 47 in the text and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Should be what? Should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are my witnesses of these things. He gives vision to them. I'm going to tell you something. Every single person here is supposed to be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every single one. Everyone, everyone. And, and it doesn't really matter how you do that. You know, sometimes, I really felt like the Lord spoke this to me today. In all of our trippings and all of the, you know, we, we feel like, oh, I just could have done so much better. And, you know, when I got through preaching to this school and those guys, I don't know if they were crying or I, I don't know what happened. You know, I've been preaching to like 30 students at this Christian school. The teachers, the teachers were in shock. I'll probably never be invited back. <laughs> I mean, I took the head off that lie that the word of God is just a book. I just decapitated that thing. And then just in case, I took some more pieces off too, just in case. And but afterwards, you know, afterwards, I thought, Jack, I should have toned it down a little bit. I had what, I don't usually have a post-preach um, uh, remorse. You know what that means? <laughs> okay, giver's, giver's remorse is when you're like, yes, God. And you're like, yes, I'm a give. And you give this huge offering. And after you give, you're like, wait. <laughs> Wait, Jesus! Call the church high. You know, I, I made a mistake. I'm like, I, that's giver's remorse. 
preacher's remorse is when you preach and you turn it loose and you were a little too hard or maybe you preached angry. You just didn't maybe have the love of God like you should have had. And afterwards you reflect and you go, oh, work it all for good, Jesus. So I had some preacher remorse and I texted the principal and said, man, I'm sorry if it was too much. And he said, oh, no, it wasn't. I said, oh, good. Every one of us are to be a witness. Every single person here, young and old and everything in between, we are all supposed to be a witness. And that's what he says to them. He gives them a vision of what they're to be doing. Repentance, remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. How many nations? All of them, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are my witnesses of these things. Wow. God's given each one of us a vision to be a witness. Oh, I was saying that even in our stumblings, like I, I really felt like, and I, and I know that, you know, I mean, what's the guy, what's our dear brother going to say? Oh, yeah, you were way too hard. Don't ever come back. I mean, I mean he could have done that. But I'm convicted in my own heart. I could have been more gentle. I could I could have been just, you know, a little sweeter. And even in our stumblings and our failings, do you know that God will use you to be a witness? Some of you don't realize what a witness you are to your family because you're just so focused on the thing that God's put his finger on right now. And you're like, oh, man, I'm a horrible. But they see where you used to be. They see what you used to do. They see how you used to talk. They see how you used to walk. And they're looking now. And although you're saying, oh, I got so far to go, they're going, good God must be alive to see that. Don't worry about your failings. Continue to allow Jesus to work on you. Do your very best to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But know that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Can you say amen? amen. All right, that brings us to the key uh, passage, a key verse, especially for the series that we're preaching on. Holy Ghost, come. Verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. I'm going to send you what my Father promised. Wow, that's amazing. You know, Luke wrote, of course, the book of Luke, which we're reading from today. But he also wrote another book called the book of Acts. In fact, many scholars believe that, that Luke and the book of Acts are really just chapter 1 and chapter 2 for, for him. But you, you read through the book of Luke and you read through the book of Acts, you get to Acts chapter, you know, chapter 1 and chapter 2, it's really pretty amazing uh, what happens. Because they wait, they tarry. Tarry means to wait. They wait for this promise. You know, can you imagine, Jesus says, you just wait, I'm going to hook you up, but you got to wait. So they're waiting. They have no idea what they're waiting for, this promise of the Father. They're not really sure, even though Jesus spoke to them and told them. But still, what is that like? I mean, what is it, what is it like? What is it like jumping out of an airplane? I mean, somebody can tell you what it's like jumping out of an airplane, but until you jump out of an airplane, you really don't know what that's like. I played... Football in high school, and they said, dude, when you get to college, they hit harder. I said, yeah, I hit hard too. And I got to college and got leveled. And while I'm pulling my mouthpiece out of the back of my throat, <laughs> and they're peeling me off the, 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 you know, the grass, then I understood what it was like to be hit in college as opposed to high school. They're waiting for the promise of the Father, but they've really no idea what that is. Like, well, what's that look like? I don't know. God, help us. You know, we're praying, and they're praying. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power, till you endued with power. Acts chapter 1, let's read this. And verse 4. And they being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
This is what Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 and 8. But you will receive power. Hmm. Dunamis is the Greek word. Dynamite comes from the Greek word dunamis. So you're going to receive dynamite from heaven. Well, that's interesting. I'm going to receive some dynamite from God. For what? For witnessing. Now, I will tell you that many people, like in the ice storm of 1977 that I was in, that's how they have their Christian life. No power, no water, no juice, no food, no unction, no ability actually to overcome the works of the devil, and no power to witness. That is not how God has intended it. Somebody say yes. You'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So all of a sudden we realize, for all of us, that God wants to give the Holy Ghost. To you, to me, to us. For what purpose? For discipling nations. And he wants to fill you, endue you. NIV says, clothe you with dynamite, with power. So that you could actually be his witnesses. I've used the illustration before, but if you have a child and you're going to send him in to get a gallon of milk, you're going to have to give them seven bucks or whatever it is. Or is it ten now? Jesus help us. You're not going to send, you're not going to send your, your child in to go get a gallon of milk with no money. Right? Well, why would you do that? I mean, you need money to buy milk, right? So God's not going to send you as his witness. He's not going to send you as somebody who puts the kingdom on display. He's not going to send you somewhere to tell his story with no money. With no dynamite. With no power. You will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Wow. So all of us, actually, all of us, are supposed to be filled with power so that we could tell other people, and not just tell them, but actually demonstrate, like the healing of eyes, like the recovery of sight, where's my sister? And her hearing healed. Come on, ra raise your hand. You got healed. Amen. She's like, what? Yeah. Got healed. She's like, this is awesome. She's glowing. I've watched your life get changed since you've come in here. No more white cane. No more hearing aids. Hallelujah. So what does all of that say? All of those are signs that basically say Jesus has got it. He's got the dynamite. All right, look at Roman number three. This text that we read is fulfilled in the book of Acts, and I'll read it to you. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, in the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. How much of the house? The whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to be divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's amazing to me that they obeyed. Let me just say that. They obeyed. They waited. Now, there's 500 people that saw them ascend, only 120 in the upper room. What happened to all the other people? So 500 get the invitation as he's ascending into heaven. There's only 120 that are in the upper room that wait that actually get the promise of the Father. They obey. He said, wait in Jerusalem. They're like, okay. And then some people are like, well, he said wait, but I don't think he said wait that long. So they walk off and they miss it. I've always wondered what happened. It's a beautiful picture of unity there. And Peter preaches to this large crowd, which is another evidence of the fact that there is dynamite, there is dunamis, that's power that comes. Peter, the fisherman, cursed the Lord three times and the rooster crowed. He denied the Lord as Jesus prophesied, but Jesus had prayed for his faith and he, he, he repents, basically. He gets restored. He meets Jesus. Jesus restores him by the fire and he's Peter the rock and Peter the rock is in the upper room with the 120. They're hiding out. They're obeying, but they're totally freaked out that they're not going to be the next ones that are crucified. Get the real picture. This all happens in one little town, basically.
all in Jerusalem. It's not all over the place. Everybody knows the story of Jesus. Everybody knows he claimed to be the Messiah. Everybody heard about the resurrection, and people are freaked out, and they're hiding in an upper room. And then Peter busts out and preaches like a house on fire. And what a message. You should go read it. It's right in the book of Acts. He says, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days God will pour out his spirit. You see, people came from all over on the Feast of Pentecost, proselytes and people from all over that region and all over the known world traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And they heard the sound. They heard the sound and they heard the wonderful works of God in their own languages. And they're so freaked out that this huge crowd gathers and, and they think that they're drunk. They think that they're drunk because they say, Ben, these are not drunk as you suppose is what Peter said, which is interesting. See, what's so interesting about that? Because when the Holy Spirit falls, there are things that happen that might make you look like you're intoxicated. <laughs> now, let me just tell you, at a seeker-friendly church, that's going to be very out of order. But that's not who we are, so feel free to drink. Amen. Amen. What I mean by that is that God will fill you. And it doesn't mean you have to look like you're intoxicated. That's not it. Listen, just be you. You say, what's going to happen to me? You have no idea. We're not looking for some manifestation. All we are is worshiping him. But when you're endued with power, it's kind of like sticking your finger. Anybody ever get electrocuted? I saw my friend's hand go up in the back and it reminded me of a story. Uh, a dear friend of ours was training to become a police officer. And um, during the, the training up in Fairbanks, at some point you're going to get tased. So you get to feel what a taser's like. And I'm not talking about the cute little clicker ones. I'm talking about the ones that just kind of launch on you, prongs that go in, the whole thing. You know, that kind. Right? So everybody responds differently when they get tased. Well, this particular friend of ours, I think they called her Goat. Because after she got tased, she hit the ground going, They're like, yeah, Goat, that's your new name. Do you want to see that again? Yeah. You see, we're not all looking to look like we're goats. We don't want to set, oh, well, they sound like goats, so there must be the outpouring of the Spirit. That's nonsense. So there's something like, so we all need to act drunk? No. No. How, how are you supposed to act? You're not supposed to act any particular way. Just open up your heart to the move of the Spirit. You might find yourself on the floor. You might find yourself wobbling a little bit. I've seen some people do some crazy Holy Ghost Western dancing. People move around like they're river dance and stuff. I've seen people orchestrate choirs, heavenly choirs. You say, what's the right thing? Listen, there are manifestations that are clearly not from God. Which ones are those? Well, we know them when they come. It's called discernment. <laughs> See, what happens when that happens? We squash it. We're not going to have a barking dog revival. Yeah, everybody, praise the Lord. No. But there are things that happen. Like, 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 the, like the, the officer that, that was learning about tasers got tased. She sounded like a goat. Not everybody sounds like a goat when they get tased. Listen, I'm telling you, God wants to tase you. I'm just saying. <laughs> tase me, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've, I have a sermon on, on manifestations of the Holy Ghost. It's online. You can get that. You can listen to it. There's a lot of nonsense. There's a lot of strangeness out there. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There is a genuine move of the Spirit of God, and that is what we are hungry for, thirsty for. I want God to come. I would to God that he would come and lay hands on us himself, and we'd all end up underneath the pew tonight. I prayed, wouldn't that be awesome? What would that look like? I don't know. I've been in some, I've been in some services. I've seen miracles. I've seen the glory of God come. I'm hungry for that. Holy Ghost.
Holy Ghost, come. But they must have looked like they were drunk because Peter said, hey, they're these guys. Yeah, I know they look drunk, but they're not. That's what he says. So they must have been acting drunk or something. Joel 2. <laughs> Let me say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, anything can happen. I remember seeing a lady in 1995. Um, well, a lady was doing this supernatural stuff on the floor. I mean, you got to know that it was just Holy Ghost chaos. How, how do you know it was genuinely a touch from God? You get changed. You check yourself 30 days from after you got the touch and you realize, uh, I'm different. I saw a dude roll upstairs. Up stairs up and down without ending for about 20 minutes. You can't roll up and down stairs. I don't care what kind of core work you're doing. You can't roll up and down stairs for 20 minutes. I remember watching the guy going, that's amazing. In Acts chapter 8, turn there with me, please. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. They stopped. Philip was just a leader. He went to go reopen a well that Jesus started. You remember the woman at the well? He went to go reopen the wells of revival there in Samaria, a people that are basically hated by Jews. So he goes and he preaches and this revival breaks out. People are getting saved left and right. Miracles, signs, wonders all over the place. And he's just a life group leader, you know? I mean, not to say just a life group leader, but I mean, he's, he's just a regular dude like us. And he goes and apparently he's got some power on him. And Peter and John come, the apostles come, they hear about it, they come to check it out. But I think they came to do more than that. They came in verse 15 who when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought the Holy Spirit, what are you talking about, Pastor? I thought the Holy Spirit, you got the Holy Spirit when you got saved. Very clearly, lots of scriptures just going to touch on it. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. He leads you. He convicts you of sin. He touches you. You, you can't come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws you. And He come, does come to live inside your heart. However, there is another work or baptism as we call it an endowment of power having three phase 220 is different than 110 did you catch that so they come down and they might receive the holy spirit to lay hands on them, they might receive the holy spirit for as of yet he had not fallen on on any of them they'd only been baptized in the name of the lord jesus which by the way if you've not been baptized in water it'd be a good thing to do we've got baptism i think this Sunday night. They laid hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So Philip has this revival. Peter and John come check it out. They're laying hands on people and they're getting filled with the Spirit. Wow. Look at C. In Acts chapter 9, verse 17 to 18, this is a story of Saul who gets so hit so hard that he gets a name change, knocks the S off, puts a P on, his name becomes Paul. Just kidding. It's a joke. Saul is persecuting the church. He's on the road to Damascus. The light shines round about him. He falls to the ground. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Go, go into the city, and I'm going to send a man to you. At the same time or thereabouts, God appears to a man that we never hear of before, and we never hear of him again, and his name is Ananias. And Ananias had apparently paid the price to hear the voice of God, was in a place of prayer, and the and, and Lord speaks to him and says, go lay your hands on Saul of Tarsus. Now, he knew who he was because he was a Christian killer. He was killing Christians. He was a persecutor of the church, and everybody knew who this was. And so Saul of Tarsus has come to town. I want you to go talk to him. He's over at the Tanner's house, or whatever his name is. I'm paraphrasing. Go lay hands on him that he might receive the Holy Spirit. You, you, let me read it to you. 
Acts 9, verse 17, And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, whom appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, verse 18, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. It's interesting. There's this pattern we begin to see of hands being laid on people and people receiving the baptism and the infilling of the endowment of power. So I've never heard of that, Pastor. Well, welcome to KC. And welcome to some teaching in the Word because you need dynamite to overcome the obstacles to be a witness, to resist the devil. Can you say amen? amen. Acts chapter 10, turn there, please. So there's this guy, Cornelius. He has, um, he has his visitation. At the same time, Peter has a visitation. God had to give Peter a visitation because he wasn't going to go in a Gentile's house. The sheets let down and the Lord says, behold, eat. And there's pig's feet and all kinds of ham hocks and whatever else is in there. Stuff that Jews are not allowed to eat. And the sheet goes up and down and comes in again. Go ahead and eat. And the Lord says, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And then these people come from Cornelius' house and invite him. He comes into Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, and he begins to share about Jesus. And it says, while Peter's still speaking the words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many had come from Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Jews, but now Gentiles are having, having the power of the Holy Spirit poured out on them. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. He tells them, you know, he, he gets in big trouble for, for doing what he did. But he said, well, what am I supposed to do? Uh, the Lord showed up, showed me, had a vision, told me to go to the Gentiles' house. And they got the same Holy Ghost that we got. They got the same power that we got in the upper room. What do you think about that? They're like, geez, I guess that's the Lord then. Kind of amazing. Look at Acts 19. Would you come, please? And it happened while Apollos, verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Where did he come? Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What kind of a thing? Can you imagine if you've run up to somebody and you meet them on the way, wherever you're in Fred Myers, and you see them and they're wearing a little cross around their neck, and they're like, oh, you say to them, oh, are you a Christian? They're like, oh, yeah. And the next thing you say is, did you receive the Holy Ghost? Well, we wouldn't do that because we would offend people, right? It is the, I'm going to tell you something. The Apostle Paul thought it was so important. He's not worried about offending anybody. He's worrying about somebody whether they got the dynamite or not. That's how important the Holy Spirit is to him. So he meets some believers and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit yet? They're like, what? I didn't even hear there was a Holy Spirit. We've just been baptized into John's baptism. So he thought there were believers, but actually they were followers of John the Baptist. When you see where John the Baptist baptized and how far Ephesus was, it shows you without the internet, without Facebook, without Twitter, without Instagram, what a power of one witness can do. You look, go look at the hundreds and hundreds of miles that is from where John the Baptist baptized. Don't tell me we can't flip this whole town on its ear. We can't. All we need is the Holy Ghost. All we need is the power. All we need is the dynamite of God. This doesn't even take all that many people. God took 12 people and turned the known world upside down because they had the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost. Are you clothed with power tonight? Are you? You know if you are or you aren't. You say, well, I think so. Good. How many of you can go deeper? I want, I want to go deeper. I want to know him. I want to know his ways. I want to grow in the knowledge of God. I want the Lord to speak to me, to open my mind and open my heart, giving me revelation from the word. I've gone a little long. 
Roman number four, how to be clothed with dynamite. How <laughs> to be clothed with power. Well, I think the first thing is obey. This unique work of the Holy Spirit apart from salvation. Apart from salvation. Salvation is the greatest miracle of all. In fact, with every head bowed, every eye closed, there's just a few moments left in our service. If you are not right with God, don't you leave this place without having your sins forgiven. And the only way you can have your sin forgiven is receive the payment for your sin, which is something you can never give. Only God can. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish. There is a perishing. Would not perish, but would have eternal life. The apostle Paul said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It says also in the book of Acts that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus, our hero, our Savior, Jesus the Messiah, said, you must be born again. And the truth is tonight, if you can't remember when you were born again, if you can't remember when you received Jesus, you most likely haven't. And then you need to do that tonight. It's not about being a religious person. There's lots of religious people that will split hell wide open. You can get baptism baptized and and have baptismal waters dripping off your face, and you can also split, split hell wide open. It's not about your external works to try to dress up a pig. You're still a pig. You can take a you can take a monkey and put him in a suit. He's still not a human being. No matter what you do aside from believing on the Lord Jesus and receiving him as your Lord and Savior and repenting, repenting and a lifestyle really of repentance, ask him to forgive you for where you lied, where you stolen, where you cheated, where you lusted, where you were greedy, where you were angry, where you abused people, where you've broken God's law, God's word. You have no help aside from Jesus. There is nothing that can redeem your life from the pit. There's not one thing you can do. If you could do it, mankind, I mean, Jesus never had to die on a cross then. If one man could earn it, but he can't, lest man should boast. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. Have you received his gift? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit in here tonight. If you're not right with God, If you are not right with God, you're online tonight. You're listening by podcast or you're here under the sound of my voice. Don't play church. Don't reduce this thing to a little religious game. Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. He died on a cross and he rose again from the grave. But you must receive him. You must believe on him. And you must ask him to forgive you. Personally. Your mom and dad might have served the Lord. Praise God. You have to make your own decision. So where are you tonight, sir? Ma'am, my brothers and sisters, where are you tonight in the Lord? Are you saved? Are you washed? Are you cleansed? Are you, are you headed to heaven if you die? If this is your, your last night on earth, it's your very last night, are you going to go to heaven, yes or no? Yes, I hope so. But if it's no, don't you leave this building without being reconciled without being forgiven. Don't play church. Do not do it. Don't do it. It's dangerous. If that's you, you say, I want to I be included in this prayer. I want to give my heart to Jesus. For the first time, or you want to make a recommitment, just put your hand up right now. All across this place. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. All the way over there. God bless you. God bless you. Put, raise your hand high. You're serious. Want to get right with God. God bless you. God bless you. Just right where you are. God bless you, ma'am. I see that hand. Right where you are, pray with me right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Save me. I want to be born again of the Spirit. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I thank you for coming into my heart now 
and being my Lord and being my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, touch, seal this work, I pray. In the name of Jesus. How to be clothed with power. The first thing is obey. Some of you just did that, maybe for the first time. The second thing is have expectancy. You look at all the scriptures that we looked at. Expectancy was a key ingredient in every single one of them. Philip waiting for the apostles to come. Oh boy. Ooh, ooh, the apostles are coming. You're going to lay hands, you baptize, fire. Some have made that a, a doctrine that only apostles could bring the baptism. That's not true. You've got to obey, you've got to have expectancy. Cornelius, can you imagine? Can you imagine having a vision? I'm going to send you this guy. He's going to preach the gospel to you. Can you imagine waiting? Oh, he's coming. Expectancy. Every single scripture we looked at, the outpouring of the Spirit, you'll see obedience. You'll see expectancy. The third thing is praise God. How to be clothed with power. Obey. Have expectancy. Number three, praise God. Somebody say praise God. Luke 24 says that we're continually in the temple blessing and praising God. Some people are ashamed to open their mouth. Don't be ashamed. Become a worshiper. Your whole, life, your whole life should be a fragrant offering unto Him. When you have a revelation of what Jesus has done, you have a revelation of what He's done, then that will produce in you obedience. That'll produce in you, you just, when you realize what he did, you're like, what do you want me to do? I'll just do anything for you. What do you want me to do? I love you, God. I love you. I love you. I love you. It's love driven, not, not driven to get love because you already have it. Doing stuff to get love, that's called legalism. Does it, fat, legalist fast? That pharisaical spirit studies the word, does all the stuff, goes to church, but does it from, a, from the lens of, of wanting to have him love you more, to be accepted more, to have more favor. Dude, you already got favor. Why? Because Jesus died on a cross and rose again from the grave. You already have it. So when you realize you have his love and his acceptance, you're like, let's do it. You just want to please him. That's relationship. Everybody say, praise God. Penultimately, have hands laid on you. Have hands laid on you. Now we see that when Peter's preaching, nobody laid hands, but mostly you see hands being laid and people receiving power. There are some exceptions. The multifaceted wisdom of God, the word multifaceted is like a diamond. You know, God doesn't even do the same thing twice. Just does it differently because he's just like that. And then lastly, let the Holy Spirit speak through you in tongues. All the scriptures that I gave you, they're in your notes. Five instances, tongues is mentioned or inferred. In Acts uh, chapter 8 there, it's inferred. It's inferred. You need power. Stand up on your feet. I need power. You need power. Lukewarm, apathetic. Come on, Christianity, there are no blackouts in Christianity. That's, that's not even the way that is. You're supposed to be a city on a hill. You're supposed to let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works. Come on, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. Come on, get out from under a bushel. Get yourself out and get some power. Come on, listen, it's up to you, the level of power and authority that you walk in. Make a decision, get hungry, get thirsty. Put yourself in a place of obedience. Put yourself in a place where you're, you're obeying God and you're worshiping God. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. I'm all done. Let's let the Holy Ghost roll in here right now. Holy Ghost.
Holy Spirit, come tonight. Come, come, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Ghost, come. Holy Ghost, come tonight. Come tonight. Come tonight. Holy Ghost, come. Holy Ghost, come. Holy Ghost, come tonight. Come tonight. Come tonight. Oh, Holy Ghost, come. Yeah. Holy Ghost, come. Lift your voice and make it your prayer. Holy Ghost, come tonight. Come tonight. Come. Sing Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, come.
Just a few more moments. Have you We're gonna close in just a few moments. Have you God? It doesn't have to end though. Come on, have we your way. Feel your Everywhere you go. We wanna feel your Walking and talking, abiding have you in Him. Have you we live and move Holy and have Ghost our being. you that can pray in the spirit just go ahead and do it come on lift your voice Depression, I command you to go. Depression, loose your hold. Suicide, a spirit of suicide, I command you to go. Every voice that's contrary to your voice, God, we silence right now. Loose people, free people from addiction, free people from sexual addiction, Lord, from addiction to drugs. Lord, loose people right now. Clothe us with power that we would be your witnesses in Wasilla, in Palmer, in Houston, in Big Lake, in Anchorage, from Barrow to Kachikan, across the United States of America, and to the furthest most parts of the earth, that every nation and every tribe would hear the glorious truth of Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected with signs and wonders, beholding that the kingdom of God is that hand. So Lord, we thank you and praise you that you've chosen us. You've chosen us and appointed us to bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. We thank you for freedom. We thank you for the power. And Jesus said to the disciples as they returned, do not rejoice that demons are subject to you in my name. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. God, it's about identity. It's about being your child and walking and talking with you. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' name. We're going to flow a little bit here if you want to slip out. I know I went late. But sometimes it takes a little bit to make a deposit. Feel free to stick around if you want to slip out. Go right ahead. We love you. Don't miss Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Monday night. Ivan Tate, brace yourself. That's all I can say. Hold on. It's going to be good. We'll be right back here with you next Wednesday. For those of you that are just come on Wednesdays, we love you. Come on. Be clothed with power. God bless you. Praise the Lord. The presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is here. 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 Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.